Hey, this is Chris Munts, and this is Ladbrokes Road to the Cup. Single from behind, and they're racing in the Lexus Melbourne Cup. Explosive Jackal. I won 42 Group 1 races. Amongst them, the Epsom, the Goodwood, the Stradbroke, Doncaster, and Metropolitan Handicaps. Descarado won the Caulfield Cup for I won the Caulfield Cup. Savile, three quarters of a lead, the fields of Omar. The Cox Plate, and the Slippers. Trowell in front, and Trowell wins the Slipper for Chrissy Munts. In the lead-up to Australia's greatest race, I'm going to talk to some of my best mates who have all played a part in the race that stops a nation. There'll be some great stories and memories from some of Australia's best jockeys and trainers who have all played a part in the world-famous race. Now, you learned the hard way in the Caulfield Cup, and then you got, you got redemption <laughs> in the Melbourne Cup. <laughs> well, no, got... It's amazing. Like, you, you would have went home that night going, oh, bloody hell, we should have won the Caulfield Cup, and then... Ten days later, you've won the biggest race anyway. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know, mate. You know what racing's like. You went, from, you went from a suburb. You went from a suburb to a city. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. On today's show, we're going to talk to our Everest-winning jockey, Craig Williams. Oh, shades of Rose Jackano and Giga Kick. Nature's Strip a length in front. Private Eye, Giga Kick, Giga Kick down the outside wins the Everest. The unbeaten three-year-old's done it. Giga kick beat Private Eye. All right, mate. Well, congratulations on your win in the Everest. Have you come back to Earth yet? No, I haven't, actually. It's four days later and I still feel like I'm floating. It was such a great win. I mean, what, what did you think when you turned for home and you had a wall of horses in front of you and Nature Strip was up ahead? Like, did you think you'd run them down or, or what did you, What was your first thoughts? Well, I actually couldn't see Nature Strip and, and I was only really mindful about my horse and getting him, helping him first time to go right-handed knowing that our plan was <coughs> was to make sure that we were just riding him to run well and he would. And I was able to get in the, the, the line of the, the part of the track that I was really comfortable with after walking and after during race six. Yeah. And we were able to accomplish that. He was into a nice rhythm. He was going really smoothly. And, and then next minute, we were just working out that I want to be economical around the band and then just going through his gears. And then all of a sudden, he started to really pick up. It's a nature strip given the cue by McDonald and the chap races to the lead by a length on Eduardo. Private eyes running on. Then came over past shades of Rose Giacchino and Giga Kick. It felt like when the horse on the outside come close to him, and the horse inside of Godolphin, they feel like they went to really close in and come really close contact with him. Mm. And it felt like there was a, there was, it was like you're going to run into a, into an, an elevator and it was either you're going to either really run and dash and get to that, that elevator or you'll stop and wait for the next one. Well, he took off and he just went right. Nature's driven a length in front, private eye, giga kick. That was the moment when he accelerated mm. and he took off and then I was able to get into position and get him. Once I got to the outside and he went to go the second time, I then saw Nature Strip and I could feel Brent Nabella making his run in between horses further to my inside. So then we went to duel and then and then credit to the Giga Kick. He just took off and went again and then next minute he actually he actually won with a quite a bit of a guard. Giga Kick down the outside wins the Everest. The unbeaten three-year-old's done it. Giga Kick beat Private Eye. Then Nature Strip, Jack and Owen Marzu. Did you think he had a chance going into the race? Because I mean, he was only lightly raced. He's a young horse, and you were, you know, you're going up against Nature Strip, so it was obviously a big challenge for him. So, I mean, did you give him that, uh, obviously a winning chance or just a place chance? I thought he'd be really competitive and run top four. And when James Harron rang me, that's what I said to him. And he had two two really good op- options in the race that last week, and his horses that he had the options of ran, ran third and second. And I said, well, the other horse is, is, is guaranteed, solid, and already been this level before, but my horse has the X factor. Mm. And, and and that's what he showed. But 
Clayton Douglas is trainer was so confident in the horse of his progression that he made so quickly. Mm. And then I and I could see that by the horse's performance. But myself, my manager Jason Green, we believe in this horse. We know what he what he's going to be. Mm. We said we said after after Corpid, I said your owner John Munt better buy a, a slot as a slot holder in the Everest because this horse is going to be in Everest to come. Thought that he might be a bit inexperienced to get there in less than two months. Yeah. But after having the gap between his first and his second run going into the day deal, and Clayton telling me how how well he's improved, and then going down and feeling that, and then saying Clayton telling me the horse has come on again, and then his performance in the day deal, then we actually said after he trialled that well, I would be surprised if you're actually fielding phone calls for the Everest this year, and he would be very competitive this year. He's come on, he's improved that much mentally and physically, and and then Clayton said he's improved. I said I know you're eight year initial trainers. He said, but if this was improved again, and sure enough, he was right. Yeah. So just for for people to understand, like obviously the Everest Day is Caulfield Cup Day, and you know you're a Melbourne jockey, and you would have been offered rides in the Caulfield Cup. But besides the prize money, I mean, what was the deciding factor to go to Sydney and ride in the Everest? Was it just the fact that you thought that you had a better chance of winning the Everest, or that the Caulfield Cup rides were? What What was your decision in going up there to ride? We decided that we would wherever Clayton. Douglas wanted to go with Giga Kick, we'd be riding him. So right. there was a thought that if he, he, he needed a run between the Danehill and the Coolmore, and it's just a matter of where he wanted to go. He said, we've got the Everest maybe as an option. We've got the Consolation, which is another option. And I said, I think to develop the horse, I think travelling in would do in the world of good. And I, I was supporting Clayton and his owner, John Hunt, wherever they want to go. So I my manager and I made a conscious decision where we'd go, we would go and ride him. The Melbourne Cup, we all know that it's a race that stops the nation, Craig, and, you know, we've all got stories about the Melbourne Cup and you're, you were booked to ride Dunedin in 2011 and you got suspended and that all ended up winning the Cup. So that obviously must have been gut-wrenching for you back then. Yeah, it certainly was. I, I remember being in the picture theatres watching Hugh Jackman in Real Steel and I thought I, my family would help going to the movies, no phones getting turned on and I knew when the Melbourne Cup was being run and everything and it would take, hopefully take my mind off the situation and as it turned out my wife's phone started to ring she's probably the only one who doesn't have her phone turned off in the movies <laughs> and, and it kept ringing and a friend was so excited she said, oh it's great, Craig George just won the Melbourne Cup and I could hear her speaking in Ukrainian Russian <laughs> saying yeah, no it's not great uh, He's next to me in the pictures here. Yeah, oh, mate. So, so I can tell you, I, I was very lucky. I had the support of my family, my close friends, and yeah, it was it was it was tough, but it was it, it's not life or death. As I found out in the last eight months, it was only a horse race, which is our greatest race, the race of our nation, and it's now a world targeted race. So that really hurt. But then we went out there with the mentality and we were lucky enough to be invited as part of his team with Sheikh Farhad, David Redford and Christophe Lemaire, who's his jockey, Mikel Dezongwe, who's his trainer, and all the staff that we've been working with after being the Geelong Cup setting, preparing him for a Melbourne Cup. And we went out for dinner and my wife said, you've got to go for dinner because um, when we win it, we'll know how to celebrate properly. So that was a great way of looking at it from a positive perspective. And then it was only a month later that I was lucky enough to be reunited on him in the Hong Kong International Bars, 
we yeah. won the bars on him and that was like it was amazing. So uh, Craig Williams says the heartbreak of missing out on last year's winning ride on Dunedin has left him more determined than ever to claim a breakthrough Melbourne Cup win. 12 months ago to the day, Williams's legal bid to ride the eventual winner failed, a period he's revealed was a low point in his career. But then getting the great opportunity then in 2019 to win it with Van Declare, an Australian bred horse, Australian trained by Danny O'Brien, owned by owners up in Gippie. Gippie yeah. And it was a really good story. And because of not being close and not winning it and then winning it years later, I, I really got the, the sense of being able to really take in the moment and I was really lucky because I had all my family at the races on that particular day and my family I can't ever get all my family to the races mum and dad always go yeah two brothers go but not use at the same time my brother's uh, family went as well and I had all my four children Victor, Alana, Oliver and Summer all went to the races and my wife Lisa so yeah it was amazing to come back and, and share that that moment with them actually my manager lived at Warrnambool which feels like a state away as well and and he was even on track too, so it was really special to, to share with the people that supported me and, and got us to win to, to that great race. It's Bastard Reality. Vow and Declare up on the inside. Vow and Declare, Prince of Arrow is lifting late with El Paradiso. Bastard Reality just in front. Vow and Declare kicks. Vow and Declare's won it for Australia. They're on top of the world. Beats Prince of Arrow. Like this horse, Bow and Declare, had you been on him, done a lot of work with him, or was it just a one-off ride, or what was the what was the background that you managed to get on Bow and Declare? No, I, I, actually, I actually rode him, Chris, in his first ever race, started cramming on a heavy track, and he didn't go out on a heavy track, and he wasn't the nicest horse to ride. He was very inexperienced and mature. Mm. And then Danny just developed him along the way, and and then all of a sudden, when, when he put his hand up, when Glenn Boss won, same race against the older horses in the Brisbane Carnival, that mm. really... Of, of how how much his progression has come on, and then he came back and he only Danny was just targeting the Melbourne Cup. He was that confident in the horse, and mm. he targeted the Melbourne Cup. And he had one his first run was in the Turbo Stakes Friday night before Mooney Valley. And Damien Oliver sits opposite me, and he said, "Oh, what when are you riding in the, the Melbourne in the Cups?" I said, oh, "I haven't got anything locked in. We're looking at internationals like we all are, and but I haven't got anything locked in yet." He goes, "Oh, keep an eye on that horse. I ride tomorrow. So he, he's shaping up pretty well. Anyway." Mm. And he ran he ran really well in the Turnbull. We took the ride on him in the Caulfield Cup. I did a piece of work on him, went, wow, big tracks really suit him. He's got an amazing lung capacity. Mm. And he was just he just gallops really well, solid, tough, and doesn't blow out a candle. Like, he's just got an amazing lung capacity. So long distance is going to really suit him. And then his performance running second to the uh, Japanese horse who dominated that year, it, she just out sprinted me around the bend. I stayed on better than anything. I said, wow. He, he, he will win the Melbourne Cup on that run. He didn't get a penalty because he ran second. He, he will love Flemington, the big flat track, and getting out to two miles. Mm, mm. He's the perfect horse. And then, then we had to... So I said, we didn't win today's battle, but we can win the war anyway. So the second I ride him, and they, they locked me in there straight after that race. And then the problem we had was he wasn't in the field at that stage. So yeah, it was right. great because Danny O'Brien handled it like a champ and just said, look, we're doing everything we can to get this horse right. He's right for it but we can't control the other stuff. Let's not worry about it. He'll either be in it mm. and we've got a great chance or he won't be. And so everyone got put at ease when the boss was nice and relaxed. And then he gets into the race on a, with a wide barrier with tough international opposition. And, you know, he was amazing. And Danny O'Brien just said, Craig, you know the horse. You go out and do what you do. And he said, the only advice that he gave me 
two days earlier was just when you're doing your form, just go back to that Brisbane run and realise that the, the horse can be ridden on speed and effective and look, you can do whatever you want on him. And so he gave me, and the owners gave me that much confidence from a, an awkward barrier draw, a white draw, just go out there and trust the horse. And so they gave me that, that free that free rein, if I put it that way. And, and then at next minute I had the right horse and he was awesome. And it was an amazing feeling to, to win that race. And not only is our greatest race being brought up and involved in racing, my father's a trainer, my two brothers have a trainer's licence and, and, you know, dreamt about winning the Melbourne Cup and read stories at school about winning the Melbourne Cup. Mm. But to actually win it, it does change your life. Melbourne Cup winners can come from really any barrier, can't they? I mean, they, you don't necessarily have to draw. I mean, we always want to, as a jockey, you always want to draw a good gate. But it's a, Melbourne Cup's a race where barriers really don't seem to come into that effect that much, do they? If you, if you sort of can get the right run early in the first couple of furlongs of the race, do they? Yeah, I guess, Chris, we look at every race and and we can say, you know, we look on a, when the barriers come out, so it's a great barrier draw, but... One thing I'm working with my, my riding coach is that we don't worry about barrier draws anymore until we, we walk the track on the day because, you know, there, there could be inferior ground and advantages. There could be the wind, which makes it an advantage or, or, or a disadvantage. There's a lot of things. So we take the stress out of it. So instead of worrying about a barrier draw from when they come out all the way until the race meeting, all that wasted energy. So as it turned out for him, and he probably summed it well, all you want is a good barrier draw, but... We only know what a good barrier draw is after the race when we actually break down how that race ended up being ran and won. So mm. you are right. We do put a lot of emphasis on it. But I know as a jockey, and, you know, everyone may be different, but I look at what a favourable barrier draw is and when I'm doing my homework and go, oh, wow, I know I feel a lot more at ease. But when I start racing on wet tracks, it doesn't bother me barrier draws as much anyway because it's all about your horse handling. Because even if you've got the best barrier draw and the best horse, if they don't go on the ground, they're not in contention anyway. So there's a lot of factors that come at play, and especially more so at the top level because the top level, you know, those races are, are, are won by very small margins. Now, mate, you're one of a handful of jockeys to win the Triple Crown, so that must that must make you feel pretty proud, does it, as a jockey? Yeah, they told me it was the Grand Slam of Racing, so they said Cox Plate, Golden Slipper, Melbourne Cup, Caulfield Cup. Then I went to Sydney and won the Epsom, and... And they said, sorry, the Doncaster. And they said, now you've won the proper Grand Slam because I'm not from New South Wales. And they obviously put a lot of emphasis on, on that. Their, big hand, their, their top handicap, yeah. which has always been a proven race. So I said, beautiful, I've done that. And Ray Thomas said to me after Saturday, you've now won the Golden Grand Slam of horse racing. So they keep coming up with these, these great names. <laughs> but Chris, as you know, as a rider, you know, we're all entertainers. We've put on show. I'm on the way to Geelong now, but it is Geelong Cup meeting. But... You know, I've got my Uncle Timmy who's driving me now and, and Ian Ford's in the, he's now being put in the back because they've got cameras in the front today, but he's in the front. And we, this is just a normal day for us to be going to a meeting somewhere and, and we love winning. So mm. this is normal. But then to be competing with these great top equine athletes, the thoroughbreds, at the top level with all the crowd and when you're winning, you know, you're just doing your job. No, there's no doubt about that, mate. Now, it'd be remiss of me to, to not ask you what you're riding this year. Have you got a ride locked in for the Melbourne Cup this year or, or what's your what's your likely ride? I'm riding for your great trainer, riding Who Your Mile for Gay Water and Adrian Bott. Oh, there you go. Well, she's given a good she's given a good push this morning. She's very happy with it, so I'm sure I'm sure it'll be well trained and trained to the minute. Absolutely. We have you know, as a rider, we have faith and confidence in the trainers and we're really lucky. 
we've been partnered up with some really good trainers that just do great jobs and my job's not to bugger up on race day. It's one of those races where a lot of things, water goes under the bridge and a lot of things can happen, but I'm sure if anybody can handle it, you'll do it. So thanks, Craig. It's been great to talk and good luck in the Melbourne Cup. Thank you, Chris.